Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today. Today is our great pleasure to have with us Ram Serene, Chairman and Founder of Tukatech, all the way from LA. Um, thank you so, so much for joining us, Ram. Thank you. It really is a pleasure to have you. It's great. It really is. Really, really quick intro from, from Ram's bio here. I mean, it's just incredible. Ram has served the garment industry with an extensive history characterized by one word, one word, disruptive. And that philosophy is ingrained in Tukatek and the fashion technology solutions that the company Serene founded in 1995 provide. Wow, 1995. That's a lot of knowledge and a lot of history, isn't it? Tukatek is credited with successfully bringing digital pattern making to dozens of countries and they are an innovative leader in virtual sample making for the design and fit with real-time motion simulation, and we'll talk about that more later. They were the first to develop and implement on-demand manufacturing processes and are renowned for their advanced cutting room solutions. Tukatex robust systems are implemented by fashion experts from all corners of the garment industry, so, wow, what an incredible amount of knowledge, incredible experience and heritage. We're so lucky to have you with us today. So thank you so much for joining. Um, Ram, we have around about eight questions and 30 minutes, and um, I just can't wait to hear your answers to some of these hot topics, I think, really, in our industry right now. So if you're okay, I'll make a start with the first question. Yeah, Please. so the first couple really are just, you know, to give an an inkling into the nuances of um, on-demand manufacture and your history too. So how did you start out in the apparel industry? By default. Okay. Um, the family was in the business, although I'm a mechanical engineer, but the dining room conversation on a daily basis growing up was fashion. Okay. Um, I'm from India. Um, Hospitality is number one on there. And what is the hospitality in those days was bring people over, have them share your food, your culture, your life. So almost on a weekly basis, I would be exposed to designers or buyers coming in from UK or USA. And so sitting and listening to them, I had no idea what the fashion industry insights that I was getting. My biggest trend, <laughs> I joke about it because um, as soon as I became 16, it became my responsibility to take the visitors to show them Taj Mahal, okay. uh, an icon in of India, four-hour drive and four-hour coming back. I had no idea how much of a garment business I was learning. Yes, on those journeys. It was almost like deja vu. Uh, when the, something came up, the back of the mindset, and she said, or he said, yeah. So I, I began to enjoy um, fashion business. I think it's very challenging. Nobody knows the answers, but it's very creative. So um, there is, it, it, it's, it's worse than a drug. I've tried to get out of this twice. <laughs> I retired when I was 35 years old. Two weeks later, I was back in the business. Really? really, I retired in 1994, December, at a cardiac arrest. And I said, okay, this time I really retire. Yeah. 
six months later, I was back in this. Okay, this is a drug. Yeah. It's in your DNA. If you like it, yes, that's it. Okay, yeah. it's it's not motivation from any other sources. It's really enjoyment. Okay, it's fantastic. Ram, when did you found Tuktek, and what technologies do you provide? Um, so I, my focus when I started was twofold. Mm-hmm. One was technology is here to stay, mm-hmm. and we need to get on the technology. Uh, historically, garment industry was artisans, people who were creative. They did things with hands. Um, take take a person. Uh, a modelist or a pattern cutter or a pattern master who may not have gone to school, even high school, but had skills to create an amazing dress or a garment to fit on a human body, three-dimensional body, from a two-dimensional patterns to fabric behaviors. How did they know all this? This was an apprenticeship program. People learned from one to the other to the other. There were no formal schools and colleges. Even when the CAD systems came out, they all had CAD for grading and marker making. Pure science. Mm -hmm. It's pure science. You don't need human beings for that. I mean, if people had to buy pattern grading, digitizing, and then marker making, plotting. If that was the only thing, they should have bought it for $19.95, that application. The real challenge was the creativity of the pattern. And big companies uh, had failed to implement that. A, the cost was too high, the learning curve was too much, and it was absolutely becoming difficult. So my objective when I restarted my new life, and I call my second life, to only go and teach people how to make patterns on the computer. So designing the system at a $10,000 station with hardware, software, unlimited training, it kind of took the barriers because in those days it was about $50,000 to do the same thing with other technology companies, we had to really come up with a business model. How many of these we have to sell to survive? How do we train the people in the shortest possible time? How do we make sure the person who has never touched a computer? Remember, this is 1995. Windows 95 was my motivator when I saw that platform and I said, Unix was doing exactly the same thing what Windows is doing, multitasking, multiprocessing. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to navigate? I need to do this screen and then I go to the next screen. To the ne- it's not writing software. It's knowing what to write in there. I don't have to make a user a programmer. So my designing of the system was designed for dummies. Anyone who's old enough to remember, there was a thing called design for dummies or something for dummies, accounting for dummies, it was, and food I remember. for dummies, and so yeah. on. Yes, um, that, that was a motivational tool for me because I had to think the same thing. It's not that people are dumb. It's just that they don't have that skill. And why do I have to teach them the skill? I just have to transfer that skill onto the computers. Yes. 
So I had to come up with that platform. How do I transfer? I still remember 1995, taking this to a 55-year-old patent maker who was wearing a line cloth and a, uh, slippers in India, 55-year-old, who was so afraid to press button called escape because he thought he was going to delete everything, yeah. uh, making patents on the system. And again, as human beings, we realized if you touch something and that becomes easier, you want to do it. Even if you know the crank window, how to open it, but somebody put a button, well, maybe first time you won't go for the button because your habit is to go to the crank. But right away the brain says, ah, dummy, there is a button to press mm -hmm. that. Over the years, that button that we started became a better because people who got used to pressing the button now didn't have the patience to wait for 14 seconds for the window to come down. So they wanted one touch down and a one touch up and so on and so on. So all these things happened for two reasons. One, concentration on patterns. Grading, most of our clients don't have graders and marker makers. That's automated. Most of our pattern makers are trained to work with what they have already done. So if they have gone from one to 10 one time, they are taught how to utilize that as an asset. So the next time you're going to start making something similar mm -hmm. to, you start from seven, eight or eight, nine and come to 10. I don't want to sell more systems. I want more people to get more out of what they invest. You know, we have a thing called less is more. Yes. And, and, and that has to be the focus for any business today. How do I get more from less? It's a long answer for a small company, but we've had 27 years and we have not deviated from our focus to simplify the process, not just leave it as one button, but continue to make more buttons and more buttons and more buttons to the extent that today we have what we call automatic pattern making. I can take the CEO of the company in 15 minutes, create that person a great pattern maker that even their own pattern makers say, what, what am I gonna do now? That's technology. So the transference of those skills into the digital format, really. Am I correct, Ram, though, in also saying that your software goes from design all the way through production to pattern, pattern nesting, pattern marker making, nesting, grading, all the way through, and also solutions that then um, can help people cut fabrics at the other end of the scenario too. You have a total solution, is that correct? That is absolutely correct. So, <clears throat> again, um, we didn't want people to think that um, if they're going to buy from Tuka Tech, mm -hmm. they have to stop doing what they are yes. doing. Um, everybody is still in business when this came to us and they were making money. They just wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. So if they have made investment in, let's say, um, a CAD system, they had a plotter and a digitizer and next. All right, use my brain power, the software, 
and I can drive the digitizer and I can drive the, the plotter or the cutter. So why I did what I did? Three reasons. The fight between the two big giants at that time, <coughs> I'm not going to mention any names, yeah. but the 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 objective of all these corporate run businesses was I want to own the entire world. So I will not share my data with anybody. And so you have to live within my world. Yes. And the world was becoming way too big where we were outsourcing and so on. So think of the little schmuck in sitting in a country in Asia who is now doing business with a client who is sending Gerber data, another one is sending Electra data, another one is sending from Assist, Cansco, this or that. How many systems am I supposed to buy? Yes. Because these guys don't want to talk to each other. Yes. It was a nightmare for big brands and big retailers and a big uh, suppliers, how do I integrate? So we were the first company in the world to come up with totally open system. I said, we are going to work with everybody. The common language. So I created, I created software that could read everybody's files and I could send that to anybody. We became the darling of all the factories and vendors because it was a problem they needed to solve. We are not very big with designers and brands, but we do control most of the big countries who are exporting countries. 90 plus percent of Sri Lanka uses my technology wow. and they all had different technologies. Yeah. 75, 80% of Pakistan, 75, 80% of India, Bangladesh, all these countries, because these people, their core competence is not being a CAD operators or, or 3D. They are cut and sew businesses. They make their money by sending garments they out. Do. And yeah. they want to get on they want to get onto that, and they, you know, they generally work on very low margins as well. So, as you say, the cost of expensive programs yes, that are have... unique that that close doors, not open doors for you, it, it limits your your commercial activities. So, it's yeah, it's, it's a no brainer, isn't it? Maybe I want to I want to touch base on on this um, for our listeners um, who generally see only things from their own perspective. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is easier understood when you get onto somebody else's and see this from the other side. And you say, this color is different than what I thought because I'm only seeing this side. Imagine you're sending out your development fit patterns to the vendor because somebody in corporate America decided, I'm gonna cut down my expenses in the product development, I'll give you a check and a sketch, or I'll give you a photo, you make a proto. Wonderful idea, but that is not the expertise of the vendor. If you think it was a challenge for you in your own organization, and you had the designers, how do you expect your vendor to have that kind of expertise. Mm -hmm. Even if you work very hard and develop that, now come to the other side, that vendor is not working just for you. He's got 100 other brands that he works yes. for. 
Now I have to develop as a vendor for 100 different fit models, 100 different products, and so on. Do you think that's going to be easy? And I got an answer for you. Most of my customers work from 30 to 100 different brands and they don't make samples. This is technology. That's progress. This is the reason why <laughs> we are loved. We are admired by our customers. Yeah. This is the reason we are openly going up there and saying on our website, here, these are our supporters. Talk to them, ask them, what is the reason why they switched from those technologies to ours? It's because we were not selling systems. We were giving them a solution. And a trust. We were yeah, taking something they can, pain away. Something they can trust. Yeah, they wanted to just get this over yeah. with, get this first submitted sample approved, so I can get onto my production and make the delivery dates. Well, absolutely. And you, and you know, that, exactly. that sampling costs, you know, it's billions of pounds worldwide and, and creates a mountain, mountain of waste that is not very often, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how much waste there is in the world from sampling, but it's huge. It really is. And it, as you say, it needs to end. And it only ends when everybody has total trust in the process, which is what you're delivering with your software solution, as you said, which is great. It's fantastic. In the fashion industry, um, even when we are vertical, mm -hmm. um, we had a several, I'm, I'm from California, and California is known for its capabilities in design and development, creativity, and so on. Almost every large retailer brand has an innovation center here because the talent is yep. here. There are people in, and I, when I say people, hundreds of companies who make thousands of new products, new samples every month. And they have a market week in either New York or in Las Vegas or whatever, but they have to go there and present. It's a very organized sector. Yes. Okay. I am going to go there with 250 styles of mine and I want to get that reaction from my buyers, which one do they want to buy? I may come back with an order for about 150 out of 250 styles. Question now is, how much effort should I put in to create that 250? If I do the way we have been working in the industry, we will go bankrupt because I'm going to get the order for 360 and 480, a very big order of 600 garments of a style. So how do I amortize that cost of development over the number of units I've sold? If my cost of development is so high, I can't sell cheaper clothing, right? Mm -hmm. So the business model here has been no tech packs, no nonsense, no waste of time. You go in, and you create three, five, 10, 20 styles in a day, you approve it so that you have only two weeks to prepare a line of 250 styles. We have what we call first pattern makers, which is what a lot of people are using 3D now, which is creating a look sample, mm -hmm. which is wonderful. But there's a lesson to learn from here. The lesson is when I made this look sample, I made it with a very inexperienced, cheaper pattern maker 
who doesn't understand fit, who doesn't understand most of the things, but they are working very close with the designer, making things happen, cut and sew in the sample room and make a cute looking garment. Maybe extra, extra small, so it has a beautiful hanger appeal that I can show in the marketplace. This was a physical process, which is now being transformed into digital process. But now let me tell you the dose of reality. The reality is when the company came back with the orders for 150 mm -hmm. styles, now it has to be ready for production because we need to produce these garments. Different set of pattern makers. These are production pattern makers who understand fit, who understand block, who understand specifications. Do you think they worked with those patterns which were done by these inexperienced pattern makers or we call them first pattern makers? No, they throw them away. They throw them away. But today the brands are forcing people, take my this look sample data and create the garment. The brand, the vendor is saying, that's garbage. It doesn't yes, fit. Yeah. It's a picture. To fix all yeah. this, I'm better off starting from scratch. Yeah, it's a picture, not a product. That's where the disconnect mm. is. Today, even in California, all the first and production pattern makers now work in sync with my technology. In 85%, please remember this number, 85% of the technology being used in California is Tukatech. That's, that's huge. You don't need salespeople. Nineteen <laughs> universities in California teach with our technology. That's very important. Three high, school, yes. three high schools teach with our technology. There are more than 200 colleges who teach with our 3D technology. We're not we're not teaching Photoshop and how the garment is going to look so beautiful. We're showing how to fit a garment and then create the look. Yeah. If you're not teaching the fundamentals of that, that technology is going to fail. And this is the reason why we are doing on 3D and then cutting and sewing to show how the garment is going to look like. I'm sorry, not to protect customers. They don't make samples. This is what the birth of demand manufacturing came in, where I could design digitally, develop digitally, show digitally, without having any sample, any fabric. That's so important. Sell it and then make it. Yes, but it's so important, isn't it, that, that, that you are sense. actually using commercial production-ready software in a learning environment. It's, it's, you know, the, the, and everybody that graduates from whichever level from those courses actually has a skill they can go out and they can gain, uh, gain employment. You know, we have the, here in the UK, we have um, lots of problems with students who, and graduates who have to then go out and take internships for a year or so and they don't get paid because they've actually graduated with their degree, but they don't have the right skills to gain employment. And that's an absolute tragedy and it needs to be changed. So, so um, you know, fantastic. It sounds amazing that your software is so well placed within your academic sector. Well, the, the, it, it was um, focus. We had to focus. Back in the early 90s, um, the need for the industry was to get more pattern makers because we needed more styles. It was just a matter of how much spaghetti you throw on the wall 
and some will stick, right? Well, the, it was a numbers <laughs> game. And, and, okay. and for that, I needed pattern makers. And believe it or not, back in 1994-95, we were having auction on the pattern makers in this industry where I'm paying $80,000 to this pattern maker who doesn't speak English, but driving Mercedes Benz. And then somebody okay. comes in and gives her $100,000 and then she's gone without any notice. And then I feel, oh my God, she was really good. We'll give her 120000 and bring her back. <laughs> this was a reality. I'm not kidding. You can check with wow. California fashion industries. We at one time were contemplating very heated debates if we can bring pattern makers from Asia under H-1B category, like we bring programmers for Microsoft or Google or Amazon. Uh This is when we got involved. We said, we're going to have to start with schools. Stop teaching paper patterns. Stop teaching paper patterns. Nobody uses papers anymore. If you don't teach them there in the school, then we are going to be able to get them in the industry very quickly. Nobody has time to really take the intern and train them. We call them gophers now. What do you do after spending $400,000 in a fashion degree? Do you become a barbecue uh, cook in the McDonald's because you don't have an understanding of fashion industry? We changed the paradigm within five years, five years, we were pulling out graduates who were filling the pattern rooms as first pattern makers to start at $35,000, $40,000 a year, whereas all the other pattern makers graduated to become production pattern makers on the systems because they could use the technology. And all of a sudden, that $120,000 a year average salary came down and down and down to 67000 for the industry. Not that everybody was getting sixty-seven, but startup and big ones and so on. Um, I was chosen as one of the 20 most influential in 2000, invited to the White House for changing the paradigm of the garment industry wow. in California. That's incredible. Then Tukatec was, cho- was chosen in 2004, again, as one of the 20 most influential in the fashion industry. And again, we were invited to the White House. My point is only one. We march to our tune because we feel that we understand the problem and we only write solutions rather than trying to sell more systems. Yeah, you, you know yeah. what? And I'm, I'm 72 years old. I retired early enough because I made a lot of money selling brain power. I was doing consulting, setting factories, teaching Asians how to manufacture the American way when I was 30 years mm-hmm. old with nine engineers. And I never had to look for work because we actually made things happen. Yes. And I took the same approach when I started Tukatech. I said, I don't care. We are not going to go in sales calls and demo. We're just going to go in, fix it, show it, and walk away. And people saw, oh, my God. Do you know how many of our customers have 200, 300 workstations? So many, because they were encouraged. 
when they saw the result of their initial investment and they saw the benefits, they went all in. So your your the customers, your, Ram, your customers, it kind of leads us nicely onto our next question, really, because, you know, the, the problems that the global fashion industry now faces, surely then your customers are well, well primed to, they are already have so many of the fundamentals of smart manufacturing. So they must have done very, very well to adapt to the um, the changes in the global supply chains and the, the business interference and all of the other issues that have been going on over the last 18 months because they can adapt their workflow because they're in, using digital process. Um, yes. And again, um, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm blind, I can hear even better because something has to compensate for my blindness. Uh-huh. These customers of ours are vendors, factories. They're not brands. They're not retailers. They have to pivot to whatever is being thrown at them for that season. Yeah. So they need to have this capability. Can I do this versus that or that? <laughs> Excuse me. And then they have, within the region, their own challenges, both time from my country to the customer takes 19 days, whereas both time from that country takes 16 days, I got a three-day disadvantage. I need to make up that three days in my process, Uh in my lead time. So the, the... motivation for some of these factories is a very different reason. Nothing to do with just cost. Yes. A lot to do with time, quality, getting it right first time, and so on. And that's where technology plays a major role. Mm-hmm. I'm sad to say, and I mean this, um, living in in so-called developed world and working with underdeveloped world and developing countries, I can kind of see the disconnect. And let me tell you what my um, fear is. Most of us, whether it's UK or France or Italy or United States, New York, we don't have technology users. We're still in the 19th century. Do you know how many people in UK I meet, they are still making paper patterns? Yeah, lots. You will not find... I'm I'm going to take you something. In Sri Lanka, in Sri Lanka, I have at least 15 customers who are small retailers making only two stores or one store for their own country. Mm -hmm. They make patterns on the computer because that's the only way they know. What a difference. I don't even have to be an exporter. I just have to understand I need to get more from less people and I need to get it now. Do you think think then that the problems that the global fashion industry now faces with regards to, you know, having to have the right product at the right time in the right place, do you think that is actually fundamentally going to make them shift both to to work with their vendors to 
have that digit to just digitize the supply chain from A to B. Do you think they are the fashion industry is willing now to work closer with their vendors and share that responsibility for sustainability? Uh, the answer is yeah. yes, um, uh, and and um, the shift that I call it is uh, a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are being reactive. They're not being proactive. They are against the wall right now. There's somebody else in their own space is eating their lunch, and they are trying to find out why. Look at all the technology companies who came out. They came out because of somebody else's weakness, mm-hmm. whether it was Netflix or whether it was Airbnb or whether it was whatever technology company. They all came out with technology to fill the weakness of one business model. The biggest example is Tesla. Mm -hmm. Tesla, because that is a a major, major change as far as uh, paving the way for all the leaders to now think, I gotta compete with Tesla. Not 10 years ago, today, every automobile company is looking up to how do I compete with or do what Tesla is doing? Sadly, it's too late. They have already taken the ownership of other things. They don't make cars. They make robots. They know exactly who uses, when they're used, and how they're used, and so on. This is a data company. Fashion is no different. than It's a data what data do I need? What kind of products you like? What is your body shape? What is your fit? And so once I have it, I can get to you and give you what you like. Still give you less money and make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. So this is what we call direct to consumer. Direct to consumer is what the differentiator of Tesla was. Not because they made an electric car, not because they had this or that. They killed the noise in between all the dealers and all the factories. No more. I design, I develop, I sell, I service, I finance, I am Tesla and I take care of you. Do you do you uh, think my that... son drives sorry? My, I, I don't drive Tesla, but my son drives. And I see sometimes from my kitchen window, there's a Tesla truck there, but there's nobody at home. My son's car was there. And that guy goes in, he knows how to open the car. He knows how to fix and so on. What was that about the truck? Oh, yes, Dad. Um, my tire was giving problems. So they came in and changed the wheel and the tire. Service. I, I, this is a different yeah, world. service, isn't it? Different service world industries. Yeah. yeah. Do you think yeah. then that the looking forward beyond lots of people talk about smart manufacturing, really, and, and there's really nothing that new about smart manufacturing. It's you know, Henry Ford invented it with cars, as you say. But what you actually need is a digital workflow and a digital workforce, whether that's some 
semi-robotics for shipping and all of those things, as well as embedding all of those incredible skills using software platforms such as yourself. But do you think then that the actual true definition of smart manufacturing is going to move beyond taking an order for X amount of SKUs, you know, the SKUs orders are going down and down and down, the volume's growing, but there are more products within each of those orders. Do you think we're going to start to see then a new hybrid manufacturer who is going to do what you've just said, you know, like the Tesla model, who they're going to drop ship? So they're literally the BMOS, the new BMOS of manufacturing will be the smart technology providers who ship direct to the brand's consumer, white label. Um, yes. yes. We saw this. Um, and our learning here, after having more than 600 factories yeah. on that business model, is one. We, all timers who understand fashion industry, are our worst enemies. Okay. Because we are now living in a paradigm. This is how we work. No, 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 no. This is how we used to work. Yeah. Unless we take that approach that we used to do this and I'm open to change, I'm open to learn new tricks. If I don't do that, the young guys and girls are gonna kick my rear end and eat my lunch. <laughs> and then my reaction will be, because I'm not proactive, I'm reactive. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Shit happens, not shift. Shit happens in garment industry. Very simple. I got. I, please go to my website and you can see so many case studies of people, young people, zero understanding of what denim business is, mm -hmm. what fit is, and they come up with an idea, I'm going to make custom-made denim jeans. Hello, did some idiot from the old industry then tell you that it is one of the hardest things to fit? Yes, yeah. The denim is like making bras for women. Okay, it requires ultimate fit. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't sell. Oh, yeah, I understand. That's the reason why I want to start this business, because I don't like the way the garments fit my body. Two 24-year-olds started, and they become a legend in California. They had zero understanding of garment industry. All they did was use smart factories. Wow. We have smart factories being sold where we take care of teaching the right way yes. and the only way that you should be working on. Please, if I'm going to teach you, stop telling me what you know, because what you know is could be your enemy. The younger people who are now getting in the family businesses for the vendors, mm -hmm. they are doing extremely well compared to their parents and grandparents. Why? Because they're not listening to parents and grandparents. I've had owners tell me my son came in after studying in Oxford or Cambridge or in the United States. And when he came in, I wanted him to come in the family business. And the kid says, if I'm going to live 30 years out of this business, I'm going to do it my way. I said, okay, I give you all this. Take it. Okay. He said, well, you know what he did first day? He came in and fired all my senior people. 
And I went, what are you doing? He said, Dad, you told me to do it my way. And guess what? That 22-year-old kid today is doing $250 million. Yeah. And his father in his heydays couldn't do $25 million. They don't have that emotional attachment, do difference. they? Yeah. I'm sorry? It's being able to cut off the emotional attachment and they just doing the right thing, the thing that legacy businesses don't do because there's too much history, there's too much love, there's too much empathy. There's just everybody's way too connected to things and things are just too emotional to sort them out really. But what you sound, what that sounds like, that storyline is just, you know, somebody who has the, the vision to completely rewire manufacturing and the manufacturer's relationship with the vendor and the super brands. And I think that's what you're saying has to happen. Absolutely. You got to go in and say, all right, how do I put my team together? How my focus is not making more quantity. Yes. My focus is to make more money. My focus is not to really go out and say, I do 100 million, but I make $2 million. I want to do 10 million and make $3 million profit. Mm -hmm. That's the margin, contribution margin. The new keyword in the industry right now is what is our margin? Yes. You're right. You should have been focusing on that, Mr. Retailer, <laughs> because the young people, the startups, are going to nibble and all of a sudden they're going to be bite marks. I agree with you. I have never been in this industry long enough to see the trend. Mm -hmm. In the last three years, I've never seen that many startups around the globe. Yeah. I'm not kidding. There's 24-7. We're just taking, we have no time to go out and talk to anybody or knock on the door because there's so many people knocking on our door. And these are all people who have no idea of garment industry but they got money, they got financing. Even the investors are looking at their business model and putting the money out there. So I am, I'm seeing a very different trend what I've seen in the last three years. Now, rea reality check, 80% of all these startups will fail. Mm -hmm. No doubt, none whatsoever. But that leftover 20% will be so huge that they will make everybody's head spin. Even guys like Amazon and Walmart will have to rethink their processes, their business models. If they don't, these young guys have affordable technology behind them and great ideas. And they don't have aspirations to become $100 million. They just want to do $2 million and make a million dollars out of that. And they can do that. That's what micro factories are. That's what smart factories are. I want to make what I have just sold. That's smart factory. That's Till then, Debbie, um, I remember growing up when we didn't have all these ready-made clothes and retail stores and so mm -hmm. on. We had tailor shops. Yes. And you would go to a tailor shop who has 
rolls and rolls of materials who could take out which fabric do you like, mm-hmm. which color do you like, or you want to get a shirt made. Okay, I want this kind of collar. No, I want a button down. I want two pockets. I want an epaulette. I want a military look. Whatever. He just used that fabric, my body, my style, and two days later or second day, I go and pick up the garment. And he still has the fabric left over that he could make it a woman's blouse out of that too. Mm-hmm. We are at that stage, but now using technology and internet. That's demand manufacturing in smart factories. I have basic raw material. I print it on demand. I dye on demand. I even dye the thread on demand. Absolutely. That's what Tukatek is about. Fabulous. Ram, thank you so much. That was just a, a really great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your vision and your wonderful passion. Which, you know, is bubbling, it's still bubbling there. Still 54 years later, you're still all bubbling there. It's There's lots left. Well, today, today happens to be a long weekend starting, so here I am, oh. ready to go and take a vacation. <laughs> Fabulous. Have a wonderful Oh, Ram, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's been absolutely lovely. Thank it really you. has. It's been brilliant. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. 